Praise the Lord. You have your Bibles with you? Praise God. Let me just uh, get you a verse here. We're going to read several verses today. Uh, But the first one, um, I wanted to uh, go to um, Joshua chapter 1. thing about technology is some, sometimes you superimpose the verse onto your thought, those of us that like to organize our thoughts, and uh, I forget to put the verse. So I think it's verse 6. It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's where I want to start. Joshua chapter 1, I think it's verse 5 or 6. It's verse 8. Thank you. That's why I qualified it first. And I told you from the beginning that I superimposed the verse without actually putting the verse here. So from the beginning, I got to say it's my bad, right? (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord reads as follows. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So it's talking about the word of God in your mouth. It's talking about the book of the law in your mouth. Now, how do you get words in your mouth? What do you do? You have to speak. Well, read gets it into here. To get words in your mouth, you have to actually speak them. Right? So that's what it's talking about. There's a, there's a meditation that includes saying something to yourself or saying something to a group of people that are with you. Then it says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So that, that verse is saying that part of prosperity, and when we talk about prosperity, we're talking about accomplishing that which God called you to do in life. We're not talking about Mercedes-Benz or things like that. Not, not everybody who's prosperous has a Mercedes-Benz. But all people that are truly prosperous in God are actually accomplishing his will, whatever that, that might be. To you, uh, prosperity might be going to the mission field and opening up 200 churches. That is not lavish by any means. <laughs> Believe me, it's hard work. It's grunt work, a lot of grunt work. To start a church here in the city is grunt work, but imagine when you go to a foreign field. But yet that's prosperity for that individual. That person prospered in that which God called them to do. And it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, thank you for your word. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you teach us today by your word. Uh, Lord, give us insights and concepts, understanding of your word. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Your word is light and it is life, my Father. So I thank you, Father, for revelation today. We bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. I know various people have told me that they're listening via streaming today. Uh, some people are not just feeling well. I mean, a lot of us have been attacked. Even, even me last Monday, I got hit hard. So Monday and Tuesday, I was out for the count, so to speak. And so uh, Wednesday, my strength returned to me. But boy, oh boy, that was a tough one. But uh, I appreciate those of you that are here today. And what I'm about to talk to you, uh, I really recommend that you do further research on it. You dig in deeper because this... Uh, these concepts that I'm about to share with you really changed my life. It helped me to uh, 
to be successful in that which God called me to do. All right? So I'm prefacing by saying what I'm about to tell you. I really, really think all of you should be wide awake for this. You should really receive, and, and those of you online also. All right? So I'm going to give you four thoughts about personal expansion. And so my, my title would be Enlarger Thinking. Enlarger Thinking. Say to your neighbor, it's time to enlarge your thinking. In the verses that I opened up with, it does discuss uh, that which is in your mind, things that you should uh, speak about, things that you should med- meditate on, and it includes uh, the Word of God in your life, the Word of God in your life habits, your daily routines, your daily disciplines. But then it also says this, for then you will make your way prosperous. Let me add something to it. You will make your own way prosperous. In other words, prosperity in life, accomplishing the will of God in your life, has to do with what you do. Has to do with your disciplines. We understand that. But here, it's saying, it's making sure that Jesus is front and center in your life. See, the world will say, you know, um, get up earlier, work harder, work smarter, go to school. Yeah, and all these things count. But for the Christian, when Jesus is in the center of our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, that is true prosperity. Because that's where our source is. That's, That's where our power comes from, our relationship with Almighty God. And to a great extent, we've gotten away from that. And, and not only that, we're listening to the wrong voices, people. I've got to tell you. I'm very perplexed at how many in the body of Christ are, are, are behaving today um, because of all this political thing. Yeah, it could be upsetting. But, you know, we had the same problems a year ago. We had the same problem 10 years ago. We had the same problem 20 years ago. It just looks a little different here. It looks a little different there. Poverty, always been here. Jesus said you'll always have the poor among you. You know, people disagreeing with each other, fighting with each other in politics. <laughs> Look at history. It's nothing new. The, the face has just changed. If you really sit down, get away from any bias you have, and listen to the media, you would find there's a lot of bias all over the place. And I see people crying, crying. Oh, my God, it's the, the world's going to end. The roof is going to fall. Everything's going to cave. No, it's not. The election came and went. The asteroids didn't hit the earth. What I'm saying is as Christians, we have to be careful not to be swallowed up by this thinking, that thinking, the other thinking, this thinking, uh, polarization. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul rebuked the people in those days because they were uh, for this camp, they were for that camp. I'm from Cephas, I'm from Apollos. No, we're from Christ. You know, so we have to listen to God today. And even, and even I, I find people that are angry because some people say God did this and God moved this way. Oh, you know, how are you going to say that? Uh, God is not, the, he, God is love and this and that. Yeah, he's all of that. But we're the ones that are putting spins on it that's creating division among us. In the body of Christ, we shouldn't be in division. Right now, depending on your position, if you say something, uh, some, some Christians will unfriend you. That's all right. <laughs> But it shouldn't be, though. I mean, I understand what you're saying. That's right. But it shouldn't be that we're at the point where we're going to kick a friendship away. We're going to kick a brother or sister of Christ away because of a political thought. In this nation, we're supposed to be able to disagree without hating each other. I got four amens, three mms, and four. I'm already bordering on getting angry right now, Pastor. So watch where you're going with this message. 
I'm just saying, we have to be careful with the voices that we hear, and we have to be careful where we place our emotional cap. Because our emotions aren't meant to be a problem to us. Our emotions are meant to help us. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your If joy is an emotion, and if joy is supposed to be strength to us, then what are emotions? Emotions uh, help to bring forth strong feelings. Because joy is what? A strong feeling. It's, see, the, so our emotions can bring forth strong feelings. I've seen on TV young people... I mean, hitting cars, breaking windows. And then, and then when the reporters, why are you doing that? Obviously, that has to be changed. What's the change you're looking for? They can't even respond. They don't even know. We have to be careful, people. Very careful. Now, I'm not rebuking you. I'm just chatting with you. Uh, we're in a living room. We're just chatting. We have to watch because so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are being so overwhelmed by this. So whenever somebody comes to get political with me or have a political discussion... My, in, my instinct is stop. No, no. Let's talk about Jesus. Right. Now, having said that, do you want to, as two adults, discuss a thing? Or are you going to have a, a, a tantrum on me? One way or another. Let's discuss it then. Let's, let's, let's share the views and stuff of that nature. But the bottom line is, is God's in control. The bottom line is that God puts kings, takes away kings. And in our beautiful American system, if we don't like somebody, we can vote them out next four years. I'm just saying, right? But you have to live the four years, right? I saw some people literally throwing themselves on the ground, crying and hitting the ground. I'm saying, okay, when you finish, now you're going to have to go get your clothing dry cleaned. Right? You're on the floor. And I saw the people kicking others. Okay, well, all right, when you finish, now the cop is going to take you to prison. You're going to have a record for the rest of your life. We have to be careful, people. And it all has to do with our thinking, our eye gates and ear gates. We have to be very careful what we allow into our minds, who we allow to speak into our minds. And I'm convinced one of the people that are going to speak, or rather, one of the people that are not going to speak into my minds and help to change me is the media. Not going to do it. I want the word of God. I want theologians to speak into my life. I, I, I want my friends in the body of Christ to speak into my life that are going to speak life. You understand? Because your words have life. They have death. It's a power of life and death in the tongue. So we have to be careful. If somebody brings you some hatred, some, some tough rhetoric, what do you do? A calm word, what does it do? Calms anger. And I've done it various times. Some people have come to me very angry. And I say, okay. I understand that. Isn't God good? And that's the last thing they want to hear. And it's sort of like, yeah, God is good. And then I start sharing and chatting. Then we calm them down. Says, now, what are the real issues that we need to discuss? You understand? So I'm, I'm just saying, be sensitive in this day that the Holy Spirit will give you a word to bring life into situations. And so don't get caught up and then get angry. And then now you've you got to repent. We have to be very careful. So several things um, about uh, these verses that I shared. I'm also going to share other verses. Matthew 8.18. Jesus said, let's get to the other side. Say with me, let's get to the other side. 
Now, when Jesus said, let's get to the other side, it was a word that he spoke. It was a command. So we're going to get to the other side. They got on the boat. What happened? A big storm arose. Now, not for nothing, have, have you been in a situation where you hear God or you think that God is saying something to you, and the minute you start going for it, a storm arises? So does that mean that God's not with you? See, Jesus said, I'm getting to the other side. Meanwhile, a storm was waiting for him. What did he do? He fell asleep. That's a message all into itself. So when you go through situations and circumstance, you should be uh, approaching it, attacking it from a base of peace. Jesus was able to be on that boat and he was able to relax, take it easy to the point where he fell asleep in the midst of a storm. And I have a little bit to say uh, about that because I remember being on, on a cruise ship Years ago, it was on TV when a storm broke out. The Norwegian dawn years ago. It became a big thing. It was all over TV. And I remember we were in trouble on Friday. Friday, and you know, they're playing the songs. You know, these people are very nice. And they're playing literally Titanic music. And that was the weirdest thing in the world. Titanic music. I'm going, okay, Titanic music on a ship doesn't, does not mix. And meanwhile, this is. Let me go over to uh, the, the web. And so I got on the web, and I always do. This is just me because I don't like this. That makes me woozy. So I, I have to make sure that I take a bonine or a dramamine. So it just happens. I, I get motion sickness. So I check. When I check, I says, oh, my God, we're going straight into a storm. And these guys don't seem to be stopping. So I went, mm-hmm. All right. So I sent an email. To my kids, I said, if anything happens to us, we're going into a storm, sue the heck out of these people. Because they are, yeah, oh, I was so upset. Sue them because they're taking us into a storm. All right. Then around, I figure around 5.30 in the afternoon, the ship goes like this. Boom. All of us were, whoa. Then, immediately when it happened, then the ship started doing this. I said, all right, Okay. And bless the Lord. And then in my thinking, this is just me personally, if I see the staff happy, they're doing what they need to do, then I, I sort of defer to their experience because they're always doing this every week. So they know better. So as long as they're fine, I'm fine. So I'm looking at them. Mm-hmm, still doing so, okay. So going like this. Then I'm hearing some china break in the little stores on the fifth floor. I'm saying, mm-hmm, I'm looking at the person. Then I see one of them crying. Running, and another one hugging the other one. I says, now we're in trouble. <clears throat> we are in trouble. From that moment on, it, it became like a little nightmare, a surreal experience. People came out all, um, with guns, dressed in black. I had never seen that before, and we've done many, many cruises. Uh, people got angry, throwing shoes at the concierge, uh, threatening. It got really, really bad. So I have an idea about this. And, and everybody was uh, crying. And so I says, you know, this is dangerous. We're in a bad situation here. And we went up to our room in the 10th floor. It was totally flooded. 10th floor. It was totally flooded. Windows were breaking. So it was bad. They rolled one guy out. He was full of blood. I'm looking at him saying, wow, Okay. What are you going to do? It's really, really bad. So you know what I did? I said, I can't take this. So I went to the bar. (laughs) So 
See, you see, you see, you're judging me now, and you, I haven't even finished my statement, and you are judging me. I'm going to open up the altar later. You all could repent, every single one of you. All right, I'm just joking. So I went to the bar, and they had on the edge of it some nice uh, seats, cushioned seats all the way across on the edges. So I laid down, and I fell asleep. I laid down, I fell asleep. No, no, not on the bar bar, but on the edge, there were some nice seats. It's like cushions, yeah, cushions. And they were nice, and so I laid back, and the thing was going like this. But from that angle, it's going like this, right? So I'm laying down like this, and it's going like this. And I actually felt good. It, yeah, it was like a rock, rock by baby. So I said, Jesus, we're in your hands. And I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, you're, now you're trying to pick trouble, right? My, my wife, she was okay. She was sitting with me. But then after all, she was in the center of the main, we just wanted to hear information. The captain was not forthcoming. They did a very bad job. But she was sitting there, and she's like really stern, but praying. She's praying. She's, Victor, we might have to be preaching here now. Because some of these people might not get to heaven. So she was very, yeah, she's, yeah, no, it was bad. She says, we might have to preach a little here. And one lady comes up next one and just pushes her off her seat. She gets back and she's, she stood up and says, listen, let me tell you something. You better move over because I'm not in the mood right now. <laughs> so, yeah, she was uh, basically watching the fort. So while I slept, she prayed. So I can, I can relate to this situation. I mean, these disciples, they were afraid. They thought they were going to die. And meanwhile, Jesus was at peace. And I remember there... I, I wasn't supposed to feel at peace, but I had a certain peace about it after. I went, there's nothing we can do. What am I going to do? Jump over and, and, and swim for it? There's just nothing. I, I, I'm not Trump. I don't have a helicopter, right? I, I'm nothing. I, I have nothing. I'm in the mess. That's it. You rest. You just let God's grace. There's a way you can shift your mind from going crazy into a place of peace. And start rehearsing the goodness of God. You know, God got me out of trouble over here. I remember how God delivered me here. I remember how he helped me here. And again, something's going to happen. God's going to deliver me. And ultimately, I'm in his hands. Right? So I, I remember that experience. So when I read this, it reminds me that we have to hang on to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, we're getting to the other side. That was a command. So it didn't make a difference that a storm was going to rise. They were still going to get to the other side. When he calmed the storm, because they woke him up, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? He got up, calmed the storm. He says, yeah, of little faith. Right? He looked back and says, I said we're getting there. Don't you trust me enough? Don't you know who I am? Now I turn that statement and I go to you. I say, why is it every situation you're going bananas? Don't you know who God is in your life? Amen. We have to get to that place where we trust God. We trust God. So Jesus said, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, so he has the place of asking in prayer, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And then it says this, and this is a big rub. Wherever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. 
that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's why many times we ask stuff, we don't get it. Because we're harboring grudges. We're harboring issues. We're still angry. We haven't gotten over our stuff. We've got to get to the place of peace. And in that place of peace, we ask God, he will do the supernatural for us. I know, not in this church, I know none of you have grudges. None of you are upset at anybody. You're just in the zone. Right? People, we have issues. When we go before, in prayer, first deal with yourself. Make sure that your heart is clean. Make sure that you're in peace. And speak the word of God to yourself each and every day. Words, they're synonymous. Listen to this. They're synonymous with prosperity, with knowledge, with building business, with, with uh, making deals out there. You, you sit down with a person who says, I want to buy that dress for $30. Well, the tax is $35. Well, I'll buy it off your hands for $30 right now, cash. You can, with words, you can uh, buy uh, widgets and sell them at a higher price later on. You can make business. You, you can make great money, uh, uh, help communities. Uh, politicians, with words, they're able to get elected. Pastors, with words, they're able to share sermons uh, and encourage the congregation. Sunday school teachers are, use, are, are able to use words and, and educate uh, the flock, right? Words, important. They're synonymous with prosperity, knowledge, or lack and curses. Do you hear what I said? Lack and curses. So we have to be careful what we say because many of us, we say things and then later on, it comes back to haunt you. I remember years ago, some of you know this, but some of you don't, so I'll share it. My mother would always tell me, Victor, you Nazarios are crazy. And she always would say that to me. And I, oh, okay, we're crazy. But when I came to Jesus and I started understanding, oh, hold on a second. What people say to you is not necessarily the truth, but it's their perception. And what they're sharing into your life might become a curse in your life. So because of that, I thought, we're crazy. We're not going to go anywhere. We have no real authority. Uh, uh, nobody will ever listen to us, right? But when I started hearing God's word and then I heard her say this, it started not agreeing with my spirit anymore. So one day I told my mom, Mom, I'm going to ask you to respect me and never say that again. No, no, but the, yeah, the Nazario, son loco. Hey, chacho, los Nazario, son loco. I said, Mom, don't you ever say that again. We're not crazy. We're good. We're prosperous. We love the Lord. You know, and, and, and I'm not a crazy man. I am a logical person. I, I am growing in my faith. I'm a man of God. See, so I had to teach her to stop that because that was, in essence, cursing our future. This could have continued. I might have believed it. Then I would say to my children and children's children, no good. See, so I'm very selective as to what people, uh, are, what I allow people to say to me. Because that could affect my future, good or bad. Right? So I, I accept words. What words? God's words. If you have something, to, an encouragement you want to give me, use God's word to encourage me. Right? Or out of relationship, if you know me enough, give me an encouragement for my better future. Because you know me as a believer, as a brother in Christ, as a pastor. Give me something that's going to encourage me. And me, of course, to you. We're supposed to be encouraging one another. Yes, Lord. Which means we have to think when we talk. Yes. 
You can't just say, how you doing? Oh, same old, same old, you know, same old, same old, same old. What do you mean same old, same old? No, a man or woman of purpose, it's not same old, same old. Every single day we're pursuing the purposes of God. We're pursuing being a blessing to somebody else. We're pursuing being prophetic in our atmosphere, in our environment, in our workplace, to our families. We're supposed to shift environments. We're supposed to bring life where death currently resides. And it comes from our belief, our faith, and our words, and our lifestyle. Amen. Come on, somebody. Say amen. amen. Somebody respond to this. It's not just my revelation. It's the word of God. Amen. amen? And words drive economies. Words have power and prophetic significance. If we speak the wrong things, we actually decree the wrong things and set in motion things that are not going to be a benefit for us and for our future. Literally, our dominion, our ability to rule and reign here in this earth realm is connected with God's word flowing through our mouths. Amen. Amen. Words have literally, they, they, they don't have limit. I can speak a word over my cell phone and touch somebody in Tokyo, get somebody saved in Rome. Amen. I can bring a prophetic word to South and Central America. Words will travel. Words have no limit, and they move as fast as light. And I have experience of that. My God, I've said things. The second I've said them, I realize I made a mistake, and I realize it was going to hurt somebody, and I try to grab the word back, but it's too fast for me. That's how come when you ask me something now, I try not to respond too quickly? Because I'm thinking, what should I say? Because my words have import. My words impact my words can shift a, a future, somebody's future. We have to be careful what we say to our children, what we say to our parents, what we say to our coworkers, because words can impact somebody forever. Yeah. Hallelujah. One person um, was trying to teach their child the importance of words, because the kid would curse and say bad things and criticize. So. Uh, the, the father took the kid to a fence that they had in the backyard. He says, here's some nails. Here's a hammer. Start nailing you know, them onto the fence. He says, but dad, that, you just painted the fence. It looks beautiful. Says, yeah, go ahead. So he starts nailing them. Bah, 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 bah. The other one, the other one, the other one. He says, dad, this is terrible. He says, you're right. Was this a good idea? He says, no. Not a good idea, huh? No. Okay, then take them all out. So the kid did that. He took them all out. He says, now what? Good? Says, no, now we got the hole there. Exactly. That's what words do. You could send the word out, and even later on when you want to take it back, you're always going to leave a hole. So you have to think about the things you say to people. Because even when you take it back and say, I'm sorry, sometimes I'm sorry is not enough. How many of you have felt that way? You've, you've blown it, and you tried to say something, and later on, the person, they won't take it, no matter, even if you say, even if you apologize. Or somebody has hurt you, and then they apologize to you. Say, I'm sorry, I was just joking. I'm going, wasn't a joke to me. And it's still bothering me. I'm going to carry this for a while. Too bad now. And many cases, you lose a relationship out of that. Because words, words have power. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie. Lie. They hurt you. They hurt you. Words. Jesus is the word of life. He is the word. And he's also the light of the world. Isn't it interesting that both the word and light are together? And in scripture, when it speaks about light, 
sending light out is speaking about revelation. So words also carry revelation. Because Jesus is the word of life, but he's also the light of the world. So when you send knowledge out, it will bring light. It will bring understanding. So that's another thing I want you to think about when you talk to people. You're bringing understanding to people. You're not just a mere person. You are an ambassador. Ambassadors have to be very careful when they go to a nation and speak because they're speaking on behalf of their country. They're speaking on behalf of their king or on behalf of their president. You are speaking on behalf of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador. Wherever you go, your words have power. Our ambassador cannot go, uh, let's say, I don't know, South Central America to China, wherever. They just can't go and chat. You notice when they talk, they talk very slow because they're thinking as they talk. Or they speak only from a prepared speech because they understand the repercussions. They take every word piece by piece and break it down. Well, the ambassador said this, the ambassador said that. Yeah, that's right. And that's what people do with your words too. You might not even realize it. You might have left a trail of curse words or trail of words that bring death to relationship, to friendships. And you don't care. You're just walking. But later on, you're going to realize. Because everything bears either fruit or repercussions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must work with God's revelation, work with his word, and understand that God gives us this authority to break out of poverty, to break out of situations and circumstances, to break out of ruts. One of the first things to do to break out of a rut is start speaking God's word back to you. To sing God's word, to praise God's word, you know, to praise God in his word. It'll start breaking you out of the, the, the nonsense or the messed up mind you might have at the moment. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Praise God. The church right now is behind. We're so behind the world in terms of understanding and applying uh, technologies that include the world. I mean, the word that include speaking, that include uh, sitting down and agreeing together and getting things done. But God is moving. He's moving fast now. People, there was a shift. I don't know if you know it. I don't know if you sensed it. But even with the election, there was a shift in structure. There was a shift in the heavenliness. There's been a warfare happening. We don't all fully understand what's going on, but we know there are strong shifts, tectonic plate type of shifts on the earth realm. And God is moving. When God starts moving, you have to see the glory cloud. You have to see what's your place in that. Because it's shifting for you too. Amen? So if we understand God's word, if we start getting into the word of God, into his will, and start praying in the Holy Ghost, and seeing where God is going, you flow with what God is telling you. You know, there, there's an anointing to break through barriers that have held you captive in a past season. That now will allow you to, lose, to move with force. Hallelujah. Some of you have uh, felt bound. Some of you have felt almost like outmoded. You're, you're still in an old season with old tools, but God is saying, I'm retooling you. I'm resetting you. I, I am strengthening you. I'm giving you wisdom for today because yesterday's stuff doesn't work anymore. There's a new wave, a new thing that I am doing in this season. So people listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We need to catch up. We're behind the scenes. 
I go to corporations and organizations that are big, big corporations, and they have the top of everything, and they communicate. Uh, um, and I say, we're behind. The church should be at, right there at the vanguard of, of communication. Why? Because our message is the most important message. There are companies that sell junk, and you go to the offices, and they have the highest level, the most beautiful offices. Uh, they, they have the most up-to-date technologies, and they sell junk. We cannot take second place to that, because the message is the most important message. Right now, we have the ability. I can get on Facebook Live. I can share. I don't know how many people I can touch. Right now, this message is in, in people's living rooms. Live. There are technologies that we should be advancing, utilizing. Praise God. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God is going to do in this local place. Praise God. Amen. Amen. But we are behind. We have to catch up. It's, say to your neighbor, it's time to catch up. God is giving, God is giving us seeds, understanding, concepts, ideas. Praise God. Seed concepts. Seed ideas and thoughts that if you were to release them in the earth realm and start making them work, they would bear great harvest for you. Harvest of ministry. Harvest of relationships. Harvest of, of what God is calling you to do. You know the word concept is an amazing word. Concept. Concept. It comes from a Latin word. Conceptum. From the mid-16th century. Conceptum, which means something conceived. A, a thought. A, an imagination. And you know the word says that, that, that he gives us the opportunity to see things that are not as though they were. Say that with me. God lets us see things. That are not as though they were. So he gives us the ability to see a thing that's not done just yet, but it's done in your spirit, man. You know it, you see it, it's already accomplished, and then you can get to work on that, right? So combined with your thinking, your creativity, God starts giving you concepts, and then you mix your faith with it and your actions, and you birth it in the earth realm. But the word concept also has to do with something that's conceived, something that's birthed. Something that's born. You see, and any time you saw in the Old Testament, when Moses was born, there was already a plan to abort the little Moses, to kill the little Moses when he was first born. Whenever God gives you a concept, an idea, an imagination that would be a blessing to uh, your, your constituents, your families, your co-workers, your church, immediately the enemy would try to take the seed that has been placed in your heart. And you need to be very careful to hold that seed, to guard that seed. Because when something is conceived, it's born in you. People can't see it yet, but you see it because God made it real to you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen with the natural eyes. But it's real to you. You see it. But the enemy comes in, you get the concept uh, and the conception, but then you also have the deception. So wherever there is conception, the word con, uh, conception, the prefix, is with. With a birth. But deception is, the word de means to take away, decelerate, to stop, to slow down, to take away. So the word deception comes from the Latin decepere, to ensnare, to beguile, to cheat. Or... That word D also means to take. So the enemy comes to take that which God gave you. 
God comes to give you the concept, the conception, right? The enemy comes to take the very thing that God gave you. Or to beguile you into thinking that what God gave you is not a good thing. Wow. See, so that's why much of the battle is in the mind. It's in, it's in the mind. Hallelujah. It also, there's a root word there means to grasp. The enemy comes to grasp what God placed in your spirit man. When the enemy came at Jesus, he, th- he threw at him some half-truths. Right? And what did Jesus respond with? The word. See, he, he was the word. And he gave him the word. The word, get thee behind me. The word, you shall worship the Lord your God only. Him only shall you serve, right? Man shall not eat bread alone, but every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. So uh, Jesus was prepared. I mean, at the beginning, just before Jesus started his ministry, the enemy comes to try to take away the concept that he, ha- he had come to the earth realm with. And do not make any mistakes. The enemy will try to come take away from you that ministry, that vision, that hope, that desire, that which you see for your family, that which you see in business, that which you see in ministry. The enemy tries to come to take it from you before you ever have a chance to let it take root and birth something in the earth realm that would be beneficial to all of humanity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And the other thing is that in Genesis 1.26, when God blessed Adam and Eve, the word blessed to, to bless is to empower to prosper. It, it's, a fa- it's a favorable position. It's a position of authority. When the king blesses you, he's basic, basically um, affirming who you are. He's affirming your title. He's affirming your authority in the structure of community. Right? So... When Jesus blesses us, and he blessed Adam and Eve, that's the first blessing. He blessed them, the Bible says. So he empowered them to prosper. Did they have children yet? But yet they were already blessed. Had they multiplied and prospered yet? No? You're right. They hadn't. But they were already blessed. See, part of a blessing is... It's, it's an empowerment of potential. It's a recognition of potential. So what happens is, when God blesses you, now you have the potential. Then he told Adam and Eve, now you have to go and be fruitful and multiply. I bless you, now I empower you to do the very thing, do the very thing that I'm calling you to do. Amen. And that's where many of God's people stop. They know they're blessed, but they never activate the blessing. Yeah. Because they never do the things that they know are right the things that God's calling them to do, so they, they stay in a neutral place. And isn't it interesting, when Jesus talked about the talents, he gave one, uh, what, five talents to one, he multiplied it to ten. He gave two talents to another, multiplied it to four, right? Then he gave one talent to another, and he hid the talent. The guy who had five multiplied it to ten, he says, good and faithful servant. The one who had two, he, he multiplied it to four. He says, good and faithful servant. The one who had one hit it, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. You didn't put the gift to use. So God does not appreciate when he gives you gifts and abilities and seed thoughts and concepts and you just stay neutral and you don't activate it. Well, I don't know what to do. Do something. Do anything. But don't just sit there. 
What I mean, sit there, you know, figuratively. Don't, don't stay at home doing nothing. Activate. Speak to somebody. Uh, make a phone call. Pray. Uh, get involved in the local church so, in some way, shape, or form. Do what you can do, and then God will reveal to you what you should do. I like that one. That, 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 that's tweetable. Yeah, yeah, do what you can do, and then God will show you what you should do. In other words, sometimes you don't have the whole picture when you're just getting started. You just know that you have to do something. So you get involved, and, and you get active. You know, in, in obedience, you do something. And then little by little, God starts showing you or positioning you, because people then start saying, who are you? Oh, yeah, I like what you do. Hmm. Come here and work with me over here. Come here and work with me over here. And after a while, you find what you're really good at. But it's because you're moving. I remember years ago, we as a church... Um, we got involved in, in Harlem, right? When we were fellowshipping in Harlem uh, with the marches, the, the marches in Harlem and the marches for Jesus. And we asked, I went to the meeting. What, uh, what are you guys are doing? Well, we have everything. We're set. Is there anything that our church can do? Well, the only thing we have left is that we need a church or a group of guys in the back of the march to clean as we're going. I said, okay, we'll take that. <laughs> so that's what we did. That's all that was left. So I didn't, I didn't ask, well, I don't, I don't think I want to do cleaning, you know. I want to maybe carry a banner, you know, maybe, maybe do a little speaking at the end. No, no. the only thing that's left is clean the garbage up. So, all right. So the guys, we march in the back, right? And as they were, we were cleaning everything up. That was so cool. We got involved. Guess what? We did such a good job, the next year they made me co-chair. Now, if you would have told me, you know, on the job description... We will eventually make you a co-chair, but you got to clean garbage. <laughs> I might not have picked that position, right? I wasn't looking for a title. I wasn't looking for a position. I just wanted to serve. But they saw that we did it with such love. And, and in the process of working, they got to know us. And in relation, see, once, once you're in a relationship, you know the true person. For those of you that are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. As long as you're dating, everything's perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, everything's perfect. All the makeup is, I mean, great. The guy has a six-pack. I mean, everything's perfect. <laughs> but you get married a year or two later, not, I mean, wow, what a change, huh? <laughs> you get to know the real person. That's what I'm trying to say. You get to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. But that's, that's the way it is. And in relationship, when you're relating in the body of Christ and you're just serving, they're getting to know you. So, you know, so-and-so's been doing this over there, but they have a great gift of this, a great gift of that. Let's bring her in. Let's bring him in to uh, help us with this. That's how it works. And yet there are many people sitting down and nobody knows them. So this church never reaches out to me. Well, do you reach out at all? You've got to get involved and then they'll know you. Get involved. Say to your neighbor, Get involved. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I know I don't get any amens on that one because I'm, now I'm meddling, but that's all right. That's all right. Praise God. Another thing about the seed and when we're getting involved, when we're speaking the word, I love the fact that God told uh, Adam and Eve, go be fruitful and multiply, but they hadn't multiplied yet. You know there are many in the body of Christ, they think that God doesn't love them or God doesn't appreciate them because they don't have no manifestation yet. Because they're not doing a big thing yet. Adam and Eve were blessed. They hadn't done anything yet. He came as they obeyed God and they started moving in their natural gifting, in, their, in the anointings that God gave them. 
So you might be at the point where you're just about ready to manifest that who God called you to be. It's just in process. It's not that God doesn't love you. Go through the process. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with the process. How many of you have made a cake, a baked a cake in the past? Right? There's a process. You can't just put the stuff in there and just um, yum, yum, yum. You can't, you can't. You have to wait the process. You have to put the proper ingredients, set in a bowl. Um, you know, some cakes, you have to be very careful because they'll literally flatten out if you don't do it the right way, right? You have to be patient with it. I, for one, I, I like um, pasteles. That's just me. It's a type of meat patty, a Spanish meat patty. Yum, yum. Yeah, exactly. But you know, those things are very difficult to make. My dad and mom used to make them. It's so much work for a single pastel. Depending on how many. I don't care. The work is just ridiculous. I don't care if it's one or 500. It's a lot of work. And then in the old days, they didn't have these Cuisinart things. In the old days, they had what you call in Spanish, el guayo. You know what a guayo is? What do you call that in English? A grater? Yeah, you had the grater. And, you know, as, as kids, we didn't like that because we used to start to grate the stuff, the, the banana, grate the banana, and then you, you go too tight, and then that stuff, you know, your knuckles get off at the same time. So you're having knuckle sandwich also. But, you know, you got to wait the process. And then you got to cook, cook those things like for 10 hours. <laughs> One hour? It just seems like 10 hours. <laughs> but yet, oh, once it's done, once it's done, little hot sauce, I'm at Sydney. What do you mean? You don't like hot sauce? Ruin it? Ketchup. Oh, no, come on, come on, come on. What do you put on yours? Lourdes says she puts nothing on her pastel. That's boring. You got to put something. But, but the point I'm making is regardless, it just takes time. You, you can't rush a, a process. Say to your neighbor, stop trying to rush the process. <laughs> Praise God. And then the last thing, I'm almost finished. I have a minute and 29 seconds. So I'll rush this one. I'm not going to rush it, but I'll just maybe speak about it next week. Faith needs an objective. You need to know what you're praying for. You need to know what you're believing for. If not, your future becomes uncertain. So today, as, as, as we get ready, I mean, celebrate. I mean, right now there are parties, and tonight we're going to have a great time, and we're going to see... Two teams that we know nothing of. Uh, and we're going to have fun seeing guys make millions of dollars while our economy remains the same. A little less because we got to buy chips and all that other stuff. So our economy will actually go down for the weekend. But the greater thing is, I mean, you need to build yourself up. Because it is a great time of opportunity. And we're missing it, many of us, because we're so caught up with junk and stuff that has nothing to do with your future, nothing to do with your ministry, with your eternity, with your family. So I choose the better part, the better part, his word. I choose the better part, his promises. I choose the better part, what he said to me and now how I now can be a blessing to others. Praise God. I'm going to be very careful who speaks into my life. I'm only going to allow people to encourage me. If you want to come and, and, and I mean, tear me apart, 
not even my boss can tear me apart. Because I'll take correction. But if they get to a condescending more, says, with all due respect, I receive what you have to say, but you're going a little overboard. So come here. I'm going to paddle you right now. No, no, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. The truth of the matter is we have to be very careful because otherwise people can affect us. And then we get to a place of paralysis. One of the young people, they just sent me a, a, a Twitter or something about that, that it's hard sometimes to, to be what God's calling you to be because, you know, you might be shy, you might be afraid. But the truth of the matter is sometimes kids can be tough. Kids can be wicked many times. So you have to be very careful and not allow another kid to tell you who you are because God knows you, the kid does not know you. And you can't allow anybody to limit who God called you to be. You have to get to the point. I think, uh, was it you? Let me see. Uh, Brenda, was it you that you were mentioning? Oh, Brenda. You were mentioning uh, Sunday school. Now, most people don't pray because they don't know who they are. If we only knew who we were, when somebody tells you something, you say, mm, no, disagree. Or you can say, yeah, that's exactly who I am. I know who I am. Okay? Very important. When, when my mother tells me, she doesn't say it anymore. But when she used to tell me, los Nazarios son unos locos. Los Nazarios crazy folk. I tell her, mom, I'm sorry. I don't receive that. I'm a man of God. I, I, I know who I am. I'm a loving father, a loving husband. And I'm a pastor, but I am not crazy. I, am, I, I have the mind of Christ. Amen. And I'm a blessing. God called me to be a blessing. So she goes, you know you know what she says? She says, oh, well. <laughs> but she never said it again. She never said it again. And you know, she actually got it. She, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she'll say, oh, tiene razón. Tiene razón means, you know, you, it makes sense. You got a point. You got a point. But somebody had to tell her that because in her mind, she really believed that. She did not know that in her tongue is the power of life and death. So I had to teach her. Sometimes you're the person, the first person in your family that gets to know this. So you have to go back to your family and say, okay, family, let me sit you down and let's get some things. It's almost like Medea. She gets all successful. She goes back home and look what she finds, right? And she has to come back and put everybody in their place. Well, I'm not saying act exactly like her, but you have to go back and, and, and really bring some correction, loving correction, because it's for their benefit too. It's for their benefit too. In my Facebook, I have a lot of my cousins. And I, I, come on, be my friends. Because I want them to hear that which God placed in my spirit. And many of them, they come back, well, I, I like what you said. And I appreciate it. And it opens opportunities for conversation. So I use uh, Facebook as a, a mentoring tool and as an opportunity for evangelism with my own family. Praise God. What are you doing? What are the methods that you're using? Because believe me, God has given us, the world has opened up. I remember years ago, I said, I wish I could do a TV program. I, I wish I could reach out to people. We couldn't do it. It was impossible. It was too expensive. Today, all of you, every single one of you could have a live Facebook sharing the love of God, sharing your testimonies. This, it's free. It's so cool. Free. It doesn't get better than free. As much time as you want. And it's recorded at the end. You know how much money it costs? We used to have programs that you, you have to videotape it, and then later on they, video, um, they record it for you and leave it archived in the web or whatever it may be, and it costs a lot of money. Tens of thousands of dollars to do that. Today, you could do that. It's all paid for you. Thank you, Mr. Zuckerberg. <laughs> Praise God. 